Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello, Decode Your Burnout fans, and welcome to another episode with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. And today I have a special guest. Her name is Davina Stanley, and she's been helping executives communicate complex ideas since she joined McKinsey as a communication specialist more than 25 years ago. She's the founder of the Clarity First program and an author. Her book, The So What Strategy, offers seven common storyline patterns executives can use to structure their thinking for any type of communication. She's here to debunk the mess of what it takes to be a great business communicator, because when your thinking is clear, you can communicate more clearly and get the decisions you need. My job is going to be to see how we can use some of those concepts to help you prevent burnout. So without any further ado, Davina, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you for having me. So I am really interested to hear a little bit about um, just your concepts of communication in the business setting, because I know we have people who say they are communication experts, but it sounds like what you do is a little bit more specialized. So tell us a little bit more about that so we understand Mm -hmm. what your expertise is all about. Mm. So I, I help people structure their thinking so that they can communicate really clearly. And that involves designing, um, first of all, designing your strategy. So being very, very clear about understanding what you want to achieve and who your audience is and really understanding what's going on in their world so that then you can work out exactly what you need to say and map that out very, very clearly uh, in a highly structured way. So we use a combination of logic and synthesis together to tie our ideas together. So we've got one single thought. And then once all that's clear, we communicate. So it's for bigger messages, but it's also for smaller ones. If you think of that five second doodle on the notepad before you make an important phone call, you know, just to structure your ideas out and having some common principles to use to organize those those ideas and, and work out what they are, you know, to be clear, to have a high quality message and get it across really quickly. So as you're describing the kinds of skills that are needed to be a good communicator, I can't help but thinking that there are probably people who struggle more than others. And Mm -hmm. I'm wondering from your experience, would you say it's people who maybe aren't as naturally organized that really struggle with having systems and plans and structures and those kinds of things in place? Yes, sometimes they're those. Um, So it, 
it helps people who need more structure and system, absolutely. It also helps people who get really stuck in the detail. So people who do perhaps quite technical work or are expert in an area, and they need to communicate with people who don't share that technical background. So there's a whole lot of assumptions that come when a psychologist speaks to a psychologist or a risk manager speaks to a risk manager, an IT person speaks to an IT person. They just go, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. I know, I know what you're, where you're coming from. But if you're speaking to, let's say, an IT person speaking to um, a general manager who doesn't have a technology background or the same depth of technology background that you do. There are a lot of things that you assume other people know that they don't. So you need to be really able to get out of the detail and unpack the ideas and put them in a business context. So I think it's it's both of those sort of situations. Uh, it's anyone really who needs to communicate to someone who's very, very short on time, but who wants a really powerful message. Okay. So there's a few things that you said. One mm. is that it's about what kind of skills you might have or lack that mm. is important here. It's also about where uh, the wires are getting crossed, maybe cross-discipline kind of stuff mm. where mm. people don't necessarily speak your language. And yes. I have to imagine that this is true not just when you're talking in a business forum, but also if you're talking to somebody who has a very different personality than you, and mm -hmm. you tend mm -hmm. to think very rationally and logically, and you've got this whole like step-by-step -step process and you've mapped mm -hmm. it out, like you mm -hmm. talk about mm -hmm. in your mind, it's going to be very easy for you to talk in this very rational, logical way. Whereas you might be talking to someone who thinks very off the cuff and is very like intuition driven yes. and, yes. you know, they just go with their gut. And it's yes. going to be a very, very different conversation. It depends a little bit on your setting, doesn't it? Because the creative off-the-cuff sorts of conversations tend to be in a different context to the I need a decision right now sorts of conversations. So if somebody is really creative and off-the-cuff and they, they probably come up with terrific ideas, if they want to get traction with those ideas to deliver them, then they really do need to structure them, like capture them and bottle them so that their audience will actually, you know, they'll resonate with their audience. So I'd flip it around a little bit the other way. When somebody is a really creative mind, I think they appreciate clarity too, you know, mm -hmm. um, tone and, and flexibility in the delivery, absolutely. But if, if I'm speaking to somebody who's much more organic and fluid, then uh, it's almost more important that I've got my messaging clear so that long as I can flex the delivery of it. If it's clear in my mind because I've mapped it out, but I can adjust the way the conversation goes but come back to my points and land them, I think that's it's even more helpful. Mm. So before we have you debunk the mess of what it really mm -hmm. takes to mm -hmm. be this mm -hmm. amazing business communicator, tell us a little bit about perhaps some people that you've worked with mm where you you see the what happens before they start working with you in other words where are they totally stressed out because they're not communicating well <laughs> what are the downsides of being a poor business communicator so i think there are a few things but the biggest one is losing your nights and weekends so where you have a paper to put forward let's say and you spend a lot of time organizing writing your 50 pages and you submit those to your manager or perhaps present them to a steering committee or something like that 
and the steering committee spends a couple of hours with you talking through all the issues, all the details, and then you um, they, they give you a whole lot more questions because they didn't really understand what all these details were for. They, they hadn't connected the dots as to what it was all about. So you go away and you're frustrated because you haven't got the decision you want and you've got to go and do more work to get the decision that you think you already ought to have had. And you're very mindful that these senior people have spent a lot of time with you having conversations that was actually pretty frustrating. So it keeps you on the back foot. Um, I think the biggest example I had was of a, a leader of a data analytics function who was spending two whole days, like he said, 25 hours every weekend rewriting Whoa. his team's communication. So there's the people preparing it and then there's the leader level as well. And I hope that's an extreme case, but I do know many leaders who take home five to 800 pages worth of stuff in big organizations. So there's lots of governance, but, you know, five to 800 pages of stuff to rework every weekend. And that's just what they think is their job. And I think it takes away from your thinking time. It keeps you on the back foot. It takes away your personal time. It, um, it means the teams lose a lot of productivity, you know, it is possible for people to communicate well, even if their English isn't beautiful, their grammar's not a magnificent. If the ideas are well laid out and they're insightful, so they're clear and they're high quality, it is possible to do it in a decent amount of time. So I think there's a whole lot that can go on. It's a little bit underappreciated because there's an assumption that, well, that's just how it is, you know. Yeah, so if... If, so you're saying you might lose your nights and weekends, not only if you're a poor communicator, but if you're a leader of a team and they're poor communicators and the buck stops with you and you're mm -hmm. the one who has to then move all of these reports or what have you mm. to the okay. next person up, then you have to spend 25 hours of your weekend cleaning up all of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Clearly, that's very stressful because if we're not able to unplug over the weekend and really reboot from work, then that can certainly lead to burnout. Um, yeah. What other things have you seen as the downside of being a poor communicator? What happens? Well, I think careers get stalled too. So, you know, on the flip side, if you can communicate really well, your visibility is higher. If you can communicate really well and you can deliver really powerful messages, you, you go further more quickly with your career. So I think if you aren't able to do that, the flip side applies. It's frustrating. You know, you start to question your own ability. You, um, you know, I just think life isn't as enjoyable, you know. And as much, you know, we all have to work, well, at least most of us have to work, but wherever possible, that's something we do in a way that's as enjoyable as possible, where we feel like we're contributing and, and so on. And I think that sense of positive enjoyment and contribution just starts to really fritter away, you know? I, I got to imagine that if you don't have good leadership and your communication isn't great, but you're not being told how to do it better and you talked about like you start to question your ability that you start to feel like you maybe there's a personal vendetta that the person's always telling you that whatever mm. you do isn't good mm. enough mm. and that mm. that starts to feel like a grind absolutely absolutely and i think sometimes i see some and this occurs particularly with very technical people at least that's where i've seen it where people start to get a little bitter 
to where they think, oh, the leadership is just silly, you know, uh, they, they just, you know, they, they just make dumb decisions. I know better because I'm, I'm clever. I know I'm clever because I did really well in my maybe engineering degree or whatever, and, and I come up with great technical solutions and they just don't get traction and that's wrong, you know. Mm. So, even if you're not necessarily, you have got a technical bend, I see that mentality happening in a technical space and really what's going on is either those technical ideas perhaps don't quite hit the business need. They're brilliant technically, but the person creating them doesn't understand the business context enough mm. or, you know, that they just can't get them across. So, you know, terrible frustration can happen. In, but it's like that, that whole, sort of you don't know what you don't know thing, right? Correct. Like you That's think right. like your ideas are brilliant. So you're yeah. kind of overconfident, but you're not understanding yeah. why they're yeah. not yeah. seeing the brilliance, right? Yes. Um, yes. So it's, it's interesting. So you either lose your confidence because you're like, oh, nothing I do is ever good enough. They're always telling me, you know, I have to redo it or whatever. Mm. Or you're like holding so strongly to your confidence and not, and mm. thinking like mm. they're the problem and then feeling bitter. And then yes. we get into that whole burnout yes. piece where people yes. feel really resentful. Like, exactly. you know, it's, a, it's like, I can't win. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, you can turn it around in ways that are quite, lovely. And one of the things that I really love about what I do is seeing the personal transformation in people. And I see it almost in their posture. And one of my favorite examples fairly early on when I was doing this work was when I was working with a law firm and we'd been doing a big program. So, this particular day, I had like a dozen very senior partners in a room. It was just coincidence that they were all very senior. And the finance team had said to us, look, if anybody doesn't show up, tell us and we'll just grab someone and bring them in because we want this training, but we're not in the budget. So, you know, just tell me, you know, text me and I will find a person and sit them in the room and they can have the day. So, I did that. And this, this girl came in and she sat down really meekly. She was mid-level finance person. And I think I, I'm guessing sort of mid to late thirties, I don't really know. Um, and anyway, very, very quiet for the whole day. And then we came back a few weeks later because we'd done the training and then the idea is you use the ideas and then you come back and debrief and practice and take it further. And so we went around the room and asked how everybody was going and some people were going, oh, yes, I've done these things, that's great. Others were, oh, being a bit busy, sorry, I haven't done very much. And then we came to this, uh, this lady, her name was Tracy, and she sort of said, look, I just felt so fortunate to be here and I don't do big things like you do. I don't do big letters of advice and so on, but I send a lot of emails. So, I thought I'd focus on those and they just sort of went, oh, yes, yes, you do. And um, and anyway, so, the, the conversation went on and she said, well, previously I spent a lot of my day chasing people, you know, chasing you to get answers to what I think are fairly simple questions. And they looked and they just laughed and they said, yes, and look, it, we'd open them. And if we couldn't work it out within like 30 seconds, we'd park it for later, but we sort of wouldn't get to it because it just looked a bit hard. Yeah. And she goes, yeah, but you come back now. You do. Within a minute, you come back and say, yes, like this. You respond really quickly. And so, that's sort of a really simple example of someone whose day, every day suddenly became, like her posture changed. It was this palpable shift because she's like, now you come back to me, I can do my job, mm. you know, in, 
it was just all she did was take the idea that really mattered and bring it to the front and get rid of a lot of the clutter. They didn't need all the background. They just needed the main question or the main idea and a couple of supporting points. And that was it. And they're like, oh, I see it. Got it. Done. Yeah, we can do that. Right. So, so I think that's, that's actually really important. Yeah. I think what you're talking about is everybody's brain is a little bit different. And some people really like to dig and get all the juice and the information. They have to know all the details. And other people are like, just give it to me straight. I don't have time as quickly as possible. Get to the point. And so we have yes. to kind of know our audience too, right? Like we have we to do. know who we're we writing do. to. Yeah. And that comes a bit to my first one. I had it as my second myth, but we'll bring it to the first. How's that? Which is that leaving our idea to the end, our main thought to the end, giving everyone our background and our thinking rationale in a business context, giving all of that first before we get to the end, the big idea at the end is, is actually quite unhelpful. So even if you want to give people all the detail, which very often you do need to, it's not just want to, you need to, um, do it in a way that they can layer into it so that you've got the big idea really, really early. And then you're visually formatting the information so it's easy for them to navigate. And if you've got to write a book, write a book. You know, it, it's not always going to fit in 50 words on an email. Some emails mm-hmm. have got to be 100, 200. That's fine. But make it really easy to navigate and bring the big idea to the front, not the back. Well, I think this brings, brings me back to... The concept that we're taught when you're putting together a speech, which is tell them what you're going to tell them, mm. tell them, and tell them what you tell told them, them what you told them, right? So it's That's like right. we want to say, hey, today I'm going to talk to you about X. So you know upfront all the things, and then you're like, oh, well, what is that? Like I want to know more, and then you're like, okay, here are all the details, and then you summarize it at the end, and you're like, so just to recap, blah blah blah, right? So I think it's a great idea to now implement it in other contexts like email, just same idea. Right. And there's a reason why this works, right? Because as we're listening or as we're reading, we want to be able to just address everybody's needs in this way. If you want the details, you go into part two. If you just want the nitty gritty to go to part one. Right. So it's like we we can address different people's needs that way. That's cool. Yep. Thank you. Mm. All right. So that's, so that's the first myth mm-hmm. debunked, right? Yes. You don't want to leave yes. it to the end. And I think no. we see that a lot in sales pitches, actually. Um, right. Yes. It's like, let me tell you the story. This mm-hmm. is how I started. And, that, you know, we do this a lot in like webinars and things like that. It's like you, you have all this like procrastination that happens of like, let me tell you all these different things. And then at the very end, we'll tie it back and we'll say, okay, this is what I'm selling. Right. Um, and so that's actually super common. And a really high-risk strategy, really high-risk strategy. Yeah, because people drop off. Because absolutely, absolutely. And I have clients tell me that, actually. They say, I've got a a team of marketing people that I do some work with, and they said that's exactly what they described. They said, we just find we lose people. They don't keep with all the little links that we've built into the story that's a really natural flow, but maybe they get distracted by a ping on their phone and they miss a few steps or they just can't pay attention for that long or or whatever. Yeah. And we lose them. So what do we do? I said, well, how about we bring it up front? You Mm -hmm. know, how about we really work out what we're trying to say and have a really short bit of background just to sort of allow their minds to settle into the story. And then here's the big idea. You've got to crystallize it though. 
you know, mm-hmm. it takes a bit of work. It puts all the work on the, re- on the um, communicator, not on the audience. Love it. So mm-hmm. that's your first myth debunked. Mm-hmm. What is the mm-hmm. second one? Shorter is better. Okay. Tell us about that. Okay. So I think um, a lot of people tell their people, look, if that's just too long. I haven't got time to read that. Cut it back to two pages. Cut it back to six pages. The Amazon method is the classic one where they say six page narrative. And so they, they put a box around it. And it's not wrong to do that. But I, I think the key issue is not so much the length. It's actually how fast it is to read because everyone in business is busy. Everyone wants to see whether something's relevant really quickly or to be able to get to the heart of it quickly. And so the issue is not the length of time, or sorry, the number of words, the length in terms of number of words or pages. The issue I think to think about is how long does this take to read? And they're not always correlated. So I've got a number of examples where the before, if you like, is a page or a page in a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it takes such a long time to read because it's very difficult to navigate the way through, the ideas are not synthesized and tied together. And so the audience has to really, you know, grab a cup of tea or and sit back and just focus. Chocolate, coffee maybe, maybe more effective than tea, something stronger to really focus and work out what is going on here. It takes a long time. Mm. Whereas you rework it and it's two full pages, let's say, and you skim it in 30 seconds, you've got the idea, you know where to go to read what you want to read. So I think length on its own is the wrong metric. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when you talk about reworking it, an example of that might be maybe having bullet points or bold font, things like that, that makes certain pieces of it stand out, kind of like we see with good copywriting. Yes. Although yes. And so yes, to have bold, absolutely, but not random bold to have a very clear hierarchy of messaging so that you've thought about what do we really want to get out of this piece? What's the key takeaway? What really is that single message that we want to convey as a single sentence? And have that bold, have it in the title of the document, maybe shortened a bit to be a bit like a newspaper headline version of it, Mm -hmm. but have that essence in the headline. Have your big message really clear and then have a very clear hierarchy of your messaging and make the formatting match that hierarchy. So when you look at it, it becomes a bit like a picture, right? You can see the big things are more important. The still bold but slightly smaller things are important, but maybe a component of that section with a bigger sized font title. Mm. So you you break it down visually with a hierarchy as well as um, having a mental hierarchy that you match. So it makes me think of when I'm doing the show notes for the podcast, Mm -hmm. we have the podcast heading, which Mm -hmm. gets you a sense of what the show is about. So you're like, Mm -hmm. that sounds interesting. I'd like to listen to that. And then in the show notes themselves, there's, you know, these are the three myths we debunked one, two, three. And so you have an outline of what is going to be yeah. in the show. And then you're like, mm-hmm. do I want to listen to that or not? And you make a decision, which is getting back to your original point yes. based on the clarity of that information and the organization yes. of it. Yes. Yes. The clarity and the quality. Yes. So it's clear. That's great. Now, does that look interesting to me? That's exactly. the quality piece. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Both Amazing. of those things. Much easier to see if it's quality, if it's clear. Okay. Yeah. So this is all 
starting to kind of cement for me. So I love, I love that this is happening. Um, okay. So we've had our two myths debunked. Tell mm-hmm. us number mm-hmm. three. Third one is that topics equal structure. So if we think of your podcast example, yeah. so if you were to say the topic for today was business communication skills. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty general, but what are we saying about business communication skills? What's the message really? So it's very easy to have a structure that's laid out with, as I see a lot of people do, you know, what we're doing, when we'll do it, why we'll do it, those sorts of titles. That's not a helpful structure. All that does is collect information. Business mm-hmm. templates often do that too, because mm-hmm. they want leaders want you to make sh- want to make sure you've actually thought about something. So they'll give you a whole lot of topics and say, fill in this template, this business case template, so that you know we know you've thought about the risks and the options and all these 